My name is Nicole Baron, and you're listening to The Woo Woo Report, a weekly podcast where we celebrate the woo woo lifestyle and dig deeper to get our mystical questions answered. Hey, you guys, you're listening to The Woo Woo Report. I am here today with Mia Che Reddy, and she is the owner of Dahia. And just to be fair, there was recently been a rebranding name change. So I, I'm making the adjustments along with you to the new rebranding. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I actually ordered some samples from you, which I love that you do that. You offer the samples for your skincare line. So, and that it comes in, I like, you know, like the perfect sample size, because a lot of times I'll order products from a line and then I realize it's not the right thing for me. And then I feel super right. full and, right. and also really sad about all the money I just spent on a product I can't use. Well, and it's really, it's really hard when you're ordering online, right? Because yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to touch it, you want to feel it and smell it and just see how it works for you. And I mean, you know, even if you go to places like, you know, the big box places and get samples, I mean, that's really helpful or to be able to touch them in person, you know, not having a brick and mortar, it keeps my costs down, but at the same time, you know, people aren't able to just touch and feel in the traditional sense. So um, that the the samples are a great way to do that without like a you know a big investment or anything. So I'm glad that works. Good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. My favorite is I got uh, the one called the Glow. Yeah, which is a very fitting name for it. I really mm-hmm. love. Thanks. And that's actually that was my flagship product. So oh wow. Yeah, I that one holds a, a special a special place to me. So yeah. I love the texture of it. I don't know how to describe the texture of it. It's not, it's almost like a bomb in a way. Yeah. It's interesting because so the base of it, it's just saponified argon oil. And so it has a little bit of that, you know, the texture that oil gives you that emollience, but at the same time, it's like it's almost, I mean, it reminds me of peanut butter in a way without the stickiness factor. Like it has the the consistency of peanut butter if peanut butter wasn't sticky. So kind of how like glycerin soap is. Yes. It has yes. that sort of, yeah, like a hybrid of that. But it is, it's, it's, it's interesting to work with and it requires education because, you know, we're so used to traditional cleansers and just putting it on and it lathers and you wash it off where this is more of a ritual. And did I send you the Mahaka, the little tool to go with it? I can't remember. Yeah, I have that. It's okay. really, it's really cool and interesting. And I mean, it looks exactly as I was expecting, but at the same time, I've never have used anything like that before. Right. It's so simple. So it looks like for your listeners, it looks like a mushroom or like a sombrero. <laughs> No, and then, but it's made out of, it's made out of clay from the Atlas mountains and they fire, fire it, you know, in the kiln and then they wrap it in virgin, uh, naturally dyed wools or cotton and they crochet it around and the texture of the crochet pattern gives the tool. So you're kind of holding it by like what would be kind of the stem of the mushroom or like the top of the sombrero. The flat surface of it is what you would use to apply the cleanser because it is, like I said, kind of not sticky, but it just, it doesn't, you know, if you try to put it between your hands, it's not going to just like dissipate. So it works really well to apply it, but it also works really well to exfoliate. If you just gently, you know, the texture gives you 
some gentle exfoliation. So yeah, it is a cool tool. It's super simple, and but they've been making it for like thousands of years. Those are always the best kind. <laughs> right. Stick around for a reason. Right, exactly. Uh, okay, so before we go into everything about your brand and your line and the mm -hmm. ritual aspect of it, I wanted to know what your sun sign is and your favorite crystal. Sun sign. So my sun sign is like my main sign, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm a Pisces. I don't know my moon sign. I'm adopted. And so I don't have like my whole history. So I don't, I've always wanted to ask someone if there's another way to figure it out besides your birth time. There's kind of, see, that's the thing. It's like, it's by like windows of birth time. And I'm not sure exactly. I started trying to research it because my cousin is adopted. Okay. And then I know someone else had messaged me before asked me because they're adopted. This okay. is like an ongoing thing. So I'm really, I really should dig into this and do an episode about it because I feel like a lot of people, I'm surrounded by a lot of people Ooh. that are adopted and don't know their exact birth time. And that I would be, yeah. And it's never addressed. Like anything that I read or listen to, they, you know, it's like, okay, just, you know, put in your, you know, the time that you were born. And I'm like, I don't know it. Yeah. I'm like, I can't be the only one. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. You should totally do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to dig into that because it seems to be a common thing that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of people identify a lot with their moon sign that like the older they get to when they get really more in tune with who they are yeah. to the core of their values, they really, really connect more with their moon sign. So, I mean, I would, I would be like this, this is, this is BS. Why can't I find out my moon sign? So yeah. I'll dig into that. I'll okay. Do, you're the final nail on the head that okay. I need to do this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then, um, as far as my favorite crystal, gosh, this one's hard. I'd say it's a toss up between selenite and citrine, but I'd have to go selenite because I'm all about like the activation and kind of being able to reach, you know, like higher, higher planes and, and the idea of being able to kind of connect with my third eye and just the energy. Like I, I feel like I have a lot of blockages in my creativity and, and that it really kind of helps with that with those blockages and, and kind of awareness. So I would probably have to say selenite. Yeah. Citrine. When you said citrine, I'm like, that's how I feel about citrine mm -hmm. and black tourmaline. Like they're okay. my favorites, but they're completely polar. <laughs> yeah. Like citrine for me is about like, I mean, I'm always trying of course to attract abundance and, but it's like for the positivity, I think that that's, it's, it's nice to have that on some days, but I definitely reach, for, I like black tourmaline a lot too. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I feel like you need to have one of those that's just always kind of a constant and probably selenite is that for me. Black tourmaline definitely is a part of my, my crystal collection and I, I carry it with me pretty often too. So <laughs> I'm going to look up her account right now. It's called, her account is Fractalista. Ooh, no. I'll DM oh, you her stuff and okay. I'll, I'll add this info in the show notes for okay. everyone listening. She does these really cool etched pieces uh -huh. and they're just super beautiful. She has like wands and charging plates and they're all etched and she has like a moon shaped one and like moon phase etched in ones and just grid ones and I'll have to send you her account. They're really oh yeah, please do. That sounds, that sounds awesome. And they're really, you know, they're not like these crazy, like they're mostly like 20 to like $40. Oh so. Yeah. I'm all about it. That sounds great. 
sometimes I'll fall in love with like some beautiful etched in crystal and it's like, it's $450. Uh, and, like, I appreciate that. And you deserve every dime, but I don't have that many dimes. <laughs> I know. I saw this beautiful selenite plate that I wanted and it was just like insane. I just, I, yeah, it wasn't even, and then it was like one of a kind and mm-hmm. you know, it's like once it's gone, it's gone. And it was gorgeous though. I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. So one of the things when I found your brand, I was really drawn to was the whole ritual aspect mm-hmm. of it and beauty ritual. Mm-hmm. So what, what about that, you know, inspired you to start this line? So I'd have to say, okay, so, well, first of all, is it's plant-based, it's vegan. It was really important to me for it to be vegan. And I myself am not vegan, but I just feel like there was no necessary, I didn't have a reason to incorporate, you know, any animal products. There was really no reason for it. I miss honey every now and then. Um, it would be nice to be able to incorporate that, but you know, it's just, it's not a deal breaker for me. And I think that you can, you know, create a, a, a fabulous product without, without animal products. So that was really important and it's all natural um, and organic. And like you were saying, everything is inspired by ancient beauty rituals and I would have to say, well, okay. So taking a step back, my formal training is I have a PhD in the humanities and my expertise is in female representation and identity. And I look particularly at women of color and kind of representation in in popular culture. So I graduated in 2013 and that seems like nothing to do with anything that I'm doing right now. But I knew that when I graduated in 2013, that it wasn't going to be a traditional trajectory for me. Like I wasn't going into academia. I wasn't going to be, you know, tenure track professor. My husband's a naval officer, which requires us to move a good amount. And that's like the opposite of what you want to happen when you're trying to get tenure track at a university. So we had an opportunity about a year after I graduated to move to Italy. So we were living in Southern Italy for like three years. And while we were living over there, I just had the opportunity to travel all over Europe and Northern Africa. And there's just really something refreshing and kind of liberating about the way that other parts of the world look at beauty and the lens that they look at beauty through, it's very different than here. And I mean, you know, of course it has much to do with, you know, transplanting, like our history here is not as long as it is in, in Italy. I mean, you know, it doesn't go back to, you know, BC. It's crazy to see some of the, some of the old, old buildings and, and statues and things like that. You know, like Italians and Croatians, they're really into the sun. Like they love to sunbathe um, much more. I mean, they're much less, uh, what is the word, conscious of or concerned with sun damage. But they do these things, they are, they're all about like home remedies and time-honored beauty rituals. For example, they'll, they'll soak dried out carrots in, I think it's dried out carrots and I want to say oregano in olive oil and they'll let it steep in the sun for days or, you know, in a jar and then they use it, they'll like slather it all over their body for sun protection because carrot oil has SPF properties in it. So things like that, that are intuitive, it's just, you know, traditions that have been passed down. You know, they may not even know that, you know, some of the younger generations may not know that, you know, carrots have this natural SPF in it. They just know that it's something that their mother did and their grandmother did. So it, it was just kind of like every country that I was, I was visiting, they just, they had these 
this very each each country had its own different beauty practices, but the one thing that they all had in common was that they were pulling from generations past. You know, French women and their hydrosols and you know rose water, and they're all about that. But they're also about you know a, you know a, a black smudged out eye, and so there's this very kind of a high low thing going on, and then also like a um, a time honored tradition that is is honored and and you know continues to move forward. But then at the same time, it's like modernized. And I love the idea of that, like being able to put our own spin on, on these traditions, because I mean, if it's, if it's not broke, why fix it? You know what I mean? So just kind of building on that. So all of this traveling and, you know, I already kind of had like a sensibility for skincare and cosmetics and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm a pretty creative person, but I was also, I was a makeup artist for Chanel and for Smashbox years ago. And I worked at Clinique, like all through college, like that put me through college. So that sensibility was kind of already there. But then when we went to Morocco and that was in, I'm trying to think what year that was, 2015 for the first time, I just, I fell in love with the culture and I just, I spent so much time in the markets and the fondukes, which is like their spice, it's like where they have all the spices and herbs and things like that. And they, their apothecaries are very holistic, they're pharmacies and a lot of herbs and tinctures. And you go in and you tell them, you know, what your ailment is and they might put a tea together for you on the spot, you know, different dried herbs and flowers and things like that. So I just, it was just such a neat experience. And so then on one of my last days there on that first trip, I met this man. And so what happens is you kind of like walk through these stalls in the markets and the shop owners will stand outside and kind of try to, you know, get you to come in and try things. There was just something about his energy. Cause I just kept saying like, no, no, no. I was just kind of focused on getting through. And I stopped to talk to him and there was just something really endearing about him. And so I went inside and we, we talked, we ended up talking for like two hours and he was just showing me everything in the shop. And I found out that he was fourth generation, um, fourth generation herbalist. And this pharmacy had been in their family for over a century. And it was just really, really cool to hear his story. And then the other thing that was really cool about him is he's young. He's still in his late, well, he's in his late twenties. And so he has this millennial mindset. And even though we think of like Morocco and Africa as being kind of like behind us in terms of modernity. I mean, he speaks four languages. He speaks French, Amazing, which is their their native tongue, English, French, Berber, and Arabic. So four languages. And when I asked him like how his, because his slang, his, his um, you know, when he writes, like when he text messages me, everything is spelled correctly. It's really crazy. So you know, I asked him like, how do you, like, how is your English so good? And a lot of it is just, it's popular culture, right? It's, it's rap music. It's, you know, watching videos and that sort of thing. Well, he has this sensibility of like, he's very much about, you know, the internet and social media and all of that. And so incorporating and infusing all of these things into his family's like hundred year old business. So it's so cool to see like he, so the glow, for example, so traditionally, so that's made of saponified argon oil. And traditionally, Beldi, the Beldi soap, the glow soap is made of olive oil. And that's what they use in the hammam spas in Morocco. And so that can be used all over the body. Well, he found an artisan who was able to do it with both barberry fig seed oil, which is like prickly pear oil. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but prickly pear oil. And then also with the argon oil. 
And so he, he sent me some. And when I got it, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like life changing. So that ended up being my very first product. But at any rate, long story short, or long story, a little bit shorter. When we moved, when we were moving back to the States, my husband was like, all right, you need to figure out what you're going to do. You know, what do you want to do? And I really didn't know. And because I wasn't, you know, attached to anything and I didn't have, you know, it wasn't like I was leaving a career or anything. I just felt like that was the perfect time to try it. And so when we got back to the States, we got back in August of 2017 and I launched October of 2017. So the six months prior to coming back to the States, I had been doing like a lot of research and stuff. And then when we came back, I hit the ground running and, and launched before the end of the year. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's very efficient work. <laughs> all that done. Thank you. But I really think that like my research background, all of my like academic training made a huge difference in that because I'm just, I'm a researcher, you know, by heart, like in my heart, like I, I love researching. I can dig to the bottom of the internet to find what I'm looking for. So that was a big piece of it. And, you know, launching the website, like the website, I mean, editing and writing copy, that's kind of my jam. So a lot of those pieces kind of fell into place for me. So it made it a little bit easier than having to hire a lot of those things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with ancient beauty ritual, what would you say is a key takeaway for women with this? I know it's, mm-hmm. it's a miracle that's starting to become more popular or just yeah. starting to have, even just cause I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of cultures take time with beauty and it's like a whole, yeah. a bunch of steps and we're such a instant right now, one size fits all one product fits everything culture uh-huh. that, it's making that shift, I know, can be a little bit of a mind blockage for women. So what would you say if for someone that, you know, wants to get into creating a beauty ritual, what would be like a key takeaway for them on why they should explore this? Okay. Let's see. So, well, first of all, I would say that creating a beauty ritual is a personal thing and it's, it's not one size fits all. So, you know, we're seeing, we're inundated with all of these, you know, new trends that are really, you know, kind of old traditions being revived and repackaged to be sold, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Some of the things like that they've capitalized on and, and brought to the market. And I mean, just have women like going crazy over, but at any rate, I think that that's one of the biggest pieces is, is kind of looking for what you, what, what, what are you drawn to kind of naturally? So I just know that certain things are not in my, my comfort zone. I just, I don't see myself practicing them on a regular basis, or I just think it's like unrealistic, maybe for my schedule. Oil pulling is a real, is an example of a really good one for me. I love the idea of oil pulling and I love the idea of what it can do for you for like your gum health and your, you know, your digestion and all these other things. But the idea of swishing coconut oil or sesame oil around in my mouth for several minutes is just not my thing. You know what I mean? And so (laughs) do you do it? No, I tried it like years ago and I'm not one. I mean, this is whenever I say this, people, you know, like make like something. I have a really strong gag reflex. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
that makes that made me gag that like doing the swishing a thing it literally made me gag I could not power through it so it's funny that you say that because I as well like not all the not all the time but like my I'm always gagging myself on my toothbrush like I'll be in the bathroom and my husband's in the kitchen and I'm like you know I make these really crazy noises and he's like you're so dramatic and I'm like I I can't help it it's just yeah my I have a Greg reflex as well but just the idea I just can't keep it in my like I can't keep the sesame seed oil in my mouth I want to like swallow it or I want to spit it out it's just really unpleasant so if that was my only like if if that was my first foray into trying to create some sort of like wellness ritual I would probably have been like forget it like it's like the wellness stuff is not for me. The holistic stuff is not for me. Ayurvedic, you know, practices, modalities are not for me, but you have to, you have to try it on and see what works for you. I love dry brushing, but am I good about doing it consistently? No, the things that I'm, you know, and so it's like kind of what you're drawn to. Like I'm really about my nighttime routine. I get really excited about my kids being in the bed and like having some time to myself and just the the whole wind down. So that part is really, yeah. Yeah. And then my mornings are, you know, I do, I'm the same way in the morning. It's a different sort of ritual. It's not really centered around my skincare, but it's just, it's kind of centered about like setting, setting myself up for the day. And you know what, and that, and that manifests in, in your, in your skincare, it it manifests in like, you know, how your skin looks, if you're puffy, if you're, if you're stressed out and you're, you know, you're holding a lot of like, you know, lymphatic fluids. I mean, all of that, you know, it all manifests itself. So it's not just about a skincare ritual or just about, you know, people think of beauty, they think of like cosmetics. It doesn't have to be that. It can be stretching. It can be breathing exercises, like anything that just makes you feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that's a big one. Um, like right now, for example, the gua sha, um, the, the traditional Chinese medicine gua sha boards um, are super popular. And so are, so is the gem rolling. Well, gem rolling is just not it's personally not my thing. I don't find huge benefits in it and I'm all about kind of maximizing on my time. So gua sha, for example, I see a lot of benefits from gua sha on both the short term and the long term. So that's something that I definitely incorporate into my nighttime routine. But yeah, you just got to try different things and see what works for you. And if that thing doesn't work for you, there's something else. So I would say that's the biggest thing is just really taking the time to to discern what works well for your lifestyle and what you kind of enjoy and that you're going to do on a regular basis. Would you say dry brushing is your favorite? I mean, that, I don't even know if it is. You, you probably yeah. right. Is it an ancient beauty practice? It is. It is. Yeah. I couldn't tell you how far it goes back, like who you would attribute it to off the top of my head. I mean, it's huge. Like, so like in Finland, that was where saunas originated and dry brushing is a huge part of like, like that whole, you know, detoxification process, the, the sauna and then doing like the spot, like the Turkish spas, doing steaming and getting in and out of the cold and hot showers. Like that's like, you know, hundreds of years old. So yeah, the dry brushing is definitely, it's a big part of Ayurveda as well. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure where it comes historically, but yeah, it's definitely an ancient practice. What is your favorite? ancient beauty practice. My favorite. I would have to say, I don't know. I really, I love the spa. Like I love going to the spa and I love, but at the same time, like American spas, it's so excessive in terms of like price and you know, the, the time that it takes. And one of the things that I really loved about Morocco was they do like 
what we would probably consider Turkish spa, but they call it the hammam. I think they call it hammam in, um, in Turkey as well. Like, like Turkish people don't call it the Turkish spa. They call it the spa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, so the hammam. And so the idea is it's like a bathhouse basically. And they have them in Italy as well. They call them termes, which is like the hot springs that you go to the, you go to this bathhouse and some of them are co-ed. Some of her, some are male only and female only. And you can do one of two things. You can go in. I mean, and they do this like on the regular, this is a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly practice for them. And so they go to the, they go to the spot and they cleanse with the Beldi soap and they leave it on the skin for a while and they sit in the hot steam. And then they probably even on like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then they scrub it off with a mitt. You know how you see those like, um, uh, like loofah mitts kind of yeah. in the store. Yeah. It's that sort of thing. And they, they scrub the whole body. And I mean, when you do it, because the skin gets softened from the soap, you literally can see it's kind of gross. I, have you ever been to a Korean spa? No, I. They look really aggressive. They're very aggressive. Like it's too aggressive for me. Like it's not enjoyable. But the Moroccan spa is, I would say, definitely much more enjoyable. But it's a similar idea. So they scrub, they scrub the dead skin off, and it just like washes down the drain, which is kind of gross, but kind of cool at the same time because you feel really good afterwards. And then after you, so you can do it yourself or they, you can have them do it for you just depending on the spas. And then afterwards, um, you can do something like get a massage with argon oil. I mean, it's just super decadent, but at any rate you can, I mean, this is something they also do at home. So my favorite practice would be using the glow and using the mahaka with the glow and letting the glow sit on my face for, you know, maybe a minute and a half or something like that. And then um, using the mahaka to do like slight exfoliation and then rinsing it off. And I just love how smooth my skin feels afterwards. And when I put my oil on, it's just like soaks in, it just melts in. <laughs> so I would have to say that's my favorite. And I probably do that like on that level, I probably do that like two or three times a week, but I do use the glow almost every day. So yeah, that's my favorite because it's simple. It's something I can do in the shower and it doesn't, I don't have to like set up to do it. I don't have to use like, you know, bowls or have towels or, you know, worry about water, like dripping down my arm as I'm like trying to wash my face. Yeah. Are the ingredients in the glow your favorite beauty ingredients? So the glow is just argon oil. And then I have, well, we have four different ones. We have the original, which is just argon oil. And then there's three others, which is they're boosted with geranium. Um, one is boosted with sandalwood and one is boosted with neroli. So I would say that, I mean, I love all of those ingredients, but my favorite, gosh, oh gosh, that's a hard one. I don't know if I can, pinpoint, they all do different things. So like, it's hard for me to pinpoint one ingredient, but I would definitely say right now I'm really into hydrosols. Like I'm really about the, like the floral waters, which seems like a strange, probably a strange answer to the question. But I mean, they're literally isolating all of the, all of the, the plant essentials, you know, into this, into this water. And it's just a clear water. I mean, it smells beautiful, but you don't even realize like it, I mean, it rarely has color. It's very pure, but it has all of these like healing properties. And it's something that alchemists have been, have been making, you know, for over, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 years, something like that. So I just think they're really cool because you can incorporate them in your, in your routine very, very easily. I mean, in a spray bottle, you know, you can 
spray it to, to set your makeup. You can spray it for pH balance to, um, you know, to reset the skin after you cleanse, but before you put your moisturizer on, it's, you know, they're hydrating. You can put them in the refrigerator and um, they're good for traveling. Like the airplanes are dry, so they're great for that. I love them for, you know, adding, adding some rose water or something to a clay mask. Um, just a lot of like really good plant botanicals and essentials um, that you're getting in like this concentrated water. Yeah, I love, I keep rose water in my bathroom in like the cabinet and it's right against the window so it stays cold enough and I always yeah. spill that on my face. I love so, it. So lovely. And it is, that's the thing too, is everyone's drawn to rose water that's been dyed pink. I'm like, it's not supposed to look no. like No. <laughs> like there's no reason for it to be pink. I don't no. know what that is. I mean, and our senses tell us that it needs to be a color. I mean, that's like even soda. I don't drink soda, but when my kids want to get soda, I'll let them get like the natural sodas. Mm -hmm. You know, when you pour it, it's clear. Yeah. And they're like, why is it clear? And I'm like, there's no, everything is just dyed. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't no, understand why. No. I was looking at, I think I commented on it, like a drooly face or something. You have a <laughs> face mask that you're launching or that you recently Yeah, launched. we just launched. Oh, they look so good. Can you totally uh, promotionally blast those? <laughs> me and my listeners, yes. <laughs> yes, and I want to give them a discount as well. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. So wait, let's start with the discount so I don't forget it. Um, okay. Let's make it woo-woo 15. Does that sound good? Perfect. Okay, so W-O-O-W-O-O 15. Yay. Awesome, thank you. Um, so the masks. So yeah, we just came out with two clay masks and the reason that I picked clay, I mean, I love the idea of like, and clay is another ingredient that I love. It's super versatile. I mean, it's an, it's people use it for pigment. They use it in cleansers. They use it in foundation. I mean, it's in so many things that people don't even realize and it's, it's just super versatile. I mean, you can even use it for like oil spills or, you know, to absorb, you know, absorb things out of your clothing. Like if you get a stain on your clothing to throw some like bentonite clay on it and it takes it right out. But anyway, so the, so they're, they're clay based. The first one is called Aya and I named it after Aya is a, in a Yoruba goddess. She is, she is the goddess of nature. And um, so I, I, I just, I like the idea of kind of having like a story behind each of the names and, you know, and then incorporating you know, the ingredients, uh, kind of going the theming off of the ingredients. So for example, there's a lot of, ingredients that are indigenous to the continent of Africa. You've got turmeric and black cumin, which are really great for brightening the skin, both. Um, what else is in there? Cacao, ginger, oh, colloidal oats, which is really great for hydrating the skin. So this mask is all about restoration and nourishing the skin, healing, soothing, that sort of thing. So people who have like skin reactions or, you know, just sensitive skin, this one is really good for that. There's also some adaptogenic mushrooms. What's in there? Shiitake, chaga, tremella. Tremella is the, it's the snow mushroom. And I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's white and it looks like a flower, almost like a sea anemone. It's really, it's really hydrated. Right. So they hold a lot of water. So the idea is that when you're, they say that it, it, they hold more water than hyaluronic acid. So it's really good for the skin, um, skin plumping kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, I know, me too. Ugh, I feel like I need it more, more than ever in the last couple of years. Yep. So 
And then the other mask is all about detox and brightening. So that one's going to have chlorophyll, um, there's spirulina, Hawaiian spirulina, uh, chlorella. Then that one also has CBD in it, which is really great for skin and like for anti-inflammation type stuff. So if you've got acne prone skin or if, you know, your skin feels congested or clogged, um, this is a good mask for that because like spirulina is really good for purification. And then the CBD is awesome for um, soothing the skin and brightening and anti-inflammation and that sort of thing. Um, what else is in there? Oh, um, pineapple and papaya enzymes. So again, brightening. What else is in there off the top of my head? Oh, and the base of that one is uh, French, is French green clay, which is also purifying. So, and that second mask is called Namaka, which Namaka is a sea goddess of, um, a Hawaiian sea goddess. And I figured since everything was kind of tropical, like the pineapple and papaya and Hawaiian spirulina, that we would go Hawaiian with the name. <laughs> I love it. I love, love anything for a goddess. <laughs> I know. And you know what? And they're great with like, again, like with your rose water, um, you're just, you're getting like, you're just kind of layering on top of the the benefits. And so adding a little bit of rose water, you could add like your favorite, like a kui nut oil or like, you know, rose hip oil, whatever kind of oils you like, mm-hmm. add a little bit of that and, you know, mix up a mask and it can't, they foam a little bit. So they're kind of like a mousse and they just go on really, really nice. So, yeah. I think I, I know that we didn't talk about this a little bit prior, but you, you talked about, was it on a post or was it in a story about how masks shouldn't dry, you shouldn't let a face mask dry your face out completely, correct? Correct. So what happens is there's like, there's kind of three levels to masking. And the first one is kind of like that wet phase or I shouldn't say levels, three phases. There's the wet phase. So that's when you first put it on and it's still dark and it's still, you know, it's still wet. And then the second phase is when it's starting to dry and you're starting to feel like a little bit of tightening, but it hasn't completely tightened. And then the third phase is when it's completely dry and it's starting to crack and your skin might start to feel tight and itch a little bit. You don't want it to get to that level because what happens is with clays, So there's two things happening at the same time. Clays are drawing out impurities. And at the same time that they're doing that, they're kind of infusing the skin with nutrients. Well, if you let it go to the point where it's like totally dry, you're no longer, like it's no longer about nutrients. It's about pulling everything out of the skin. Like it's now pulled all of the moisture out of your skin. And so when people say like, oh, well, it's a good mask, but it's kind of drying. It's probably because they let it go. They let it stay on their skin for too long. And I think one of the things that I see on directions um, for masks is to let it on for maybe like 45 minutes, but they won't, but they won't explain, like, how are you supposed to go 45 minutes with a mask on your face? Like it's, I mean, at that point, like it's completely dried out. It dried out at like minute 15, probably, you know, you don't need it on that long with that, unless you're, unless you're consistently hydrating. So you want to spray something on your face. It can just be water, but it could also be a hydrosol. And what that does is it's keeping it's keeping it moist so that you can continue to receive the nutrients without it pulling out all of your moisture. So yeah, I mean that's definitely it's like one of those. It's so simple, but most people just don't know it. I mean, I when I read that post, I was like, wow, I've been masking wrong this entire time. Now I know. I know for a long time I did too. But yeah, I mean, even if you just Google, like, I don't know. 
you know, mist spray mask or, I mean, face mask or something like that. Like all this stuff will come up about how you're supposed to do it. But so it's like the worst kept secret, but I mean, nobody, I don't know. I don't know why we don't know. So I definitely, I should do a post on that, like a, a real post, you know, or put something on, on the website. Good idea. Okay. So we have a promotion. I want to ask the, the one final thing and then we'll get all the, where everyone can follow you and websites and I'll put in the show notes too. Cause okay. But do you believe in ghosts and do you have a short ghost story to share? Okay. So the answer is I absolutely believe in ghosts. Short story. Let's see. All right. So this was a while ago, but my son is now 14, getting ready to turn 15. But when he was a baby, we lived in Chicago and we lived in an old gray stone. So it was like a rehabbed, you know, building from the, the early 1900s. And he would always like point at like the ceiling or at like, I mean, he looked like he was looking at someone. It used to freak me out. And um, I was like, I feel like he sees, he's seeing, he's talking to somebody. And, you know, I told my husband or whatever, and it would happen all the time. Well, anyways, one day he went over to a friend's house. Um, one of my, one of my friends, we were going out one night and she had a, a son about the, or has a son the same age. And so the babysitter stayed with them and we left them at her house. Well, when we came back that night, the babysitter was in the back bedroom with my son laying down. Um, she was getting him to sleep and she came out and she was like, the craziest thing happened. Um, it totally freaked me out. I was laying down with Asia and Asia's my son. He was pointing at the window and it freaked me out because I was like, Oh God, is there like someone out there? So she turned to look and there was no one in the window and he kept pointing at the window and um, she just didn't know what it was. So as she's telling the story, my friend starts crying and I'm like, what happened? What's, you know, what's going on? And she was like, my dad's ashes, his urn is in that window. So I just feel like, yeah, we all are a little clairvoyant when we're born and you know, you all kind of have like this, we all have this kind of awareness that we, a lot of us lose over time and you know, I think that there's definitely spiritual presence everywhere. It's just a matter of kind of, you know, tuning into it and that sort of thing. I love that story. Yeah. Kids are, kids are super sensitive and animals forever are. We just don't understand the communications quite as, quite as well. Yes. Animals. And I don't, and I don't think of animals as much, but you know, I need to think about that. I need to think about my dog. <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah. He's always doing crazy stuff. It's probably, probably, he's probably playing with ghosts. <laughs> Okay, where can we find you on Instagram and to buy all your yummy, beautiful products? All right. So it's Dehia Beauty. So D-E-H-I-Y-A Beauty is my handle on Instagram. And it's always me. I'm always the one going to be responding and liking and commenting and all of that. Um, and then the website is www.dehiabeauty.com. Perfect. And yeah, I have Twitter, but I don't use it. And I don't use any of them really. I only am pretty much on Instagram. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Well, I'm just going to wrap up and do like a thing yeah. for the show. And then wrap okay. Up for wrap up. Well, okay. thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so thank excited you. for everyone to hear this and learn about how you started your business. And it's amazing you know, from one mom to another. I mean, all women, I think it's amazing when they start their business, but also yeah. mom life completely shifted my idea of how to juggle the two yeah. things. So Seriously. super impressed with, with your, your driving your passion for, for your brand and it definitely reflects in your products. Like the glow, I have the glow and I have the Neroli one, the glow Neroli. Yeah. It's 
so decadent and lovely. So oh, I really should definitely I'm, get that and get those two new face masks. I'm gonna have to send you some yeah. more stuff. Um, I will definitely say yes to that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, All thank right. you for having me on. This was so fun. It was great getting to know you and and talk to you. And and um, I don't know. Awesome. I just, I've never done this before, so this is like very cool. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Woo Woo Report. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Nicole Baron, N-I-C-O-L-E-B-U-R-R-O-N to stay up to date on everything woo woo.